thrilling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show. Here's the number, 888-914-9149, sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Lots to talk about. We've been talking this morning about the growing story. It's escalating, hopefully not out of control. But if you just tuned in, I read in the first hour of the program today a declaration by Governor Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, in which he's responding to the federal government under the Biden administration's efforts to prevent the state of Texas to protect its own citizens because of this, as it's being described as an invasion by a a whole bunch of different foreigners coming in from all, all over the world, China, Russia, the Middle East, not just Latin America. Um, And it's creating mayhem and danger and insecurity, and the government wants to protect the citizens, and he has a a mandate to do that. The federal government has has gone in and made efforts to thwart the state of Texas from doing this. And similar things are happening in, in Arizona and California, our two other border states to the south. So he issued yesterday this declaration in which he says, we're going to do this. We're The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on my authority, state law. We're going to secure the Texas border. The federal government is saying and doing things to show that it means you are not going to do that. So although it hasn't come to like a surreal scenario of the state National Guard facing off militarily. I mean, it's an unthinkable scenario, but it's it's getting weirder and weirder. It hasn't come to the point where there's been a, a face-off between the Texas National Guard and who? The Marines? The U.S. Army? It hasn't come to that yet, but things are weirdly sort of escalating in that direction. The governor has said, we're going to do this, and he invokes a section of the Constitution of the United States, in particular, it's Article 1, Subsection 10, Clause 3. And I'll just read the part that really matters. He, he invokes it in the statement that he issued yesterday. But the part that really matters coming from the Constitution is, no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops, or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state, or with a foreign power. Now that, by the way, enter into any agreement or compact with another state. That's language that is redolent of the Confederacy at the time of the Civil War, from 1861 to 1865. Those secessionist states, they entered into a compact that became known as the Confederacy or the Confederate States of America. And this is language that's referring to that. So no state, et cetera, et cetera, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war. Now, here's the kicker. Unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. It's that last part that Governor Abbott of Texas is invoking. He's he's saying all of the stuff that says we can't do this and we can't do that because we're just a state, all of that is obviated if you're actually invaded. And Governor Abbott's point is we are actually being invaded. 
We have people coming across the border willy-nilly from points unknown, not just uh, from Latin America, not just our neighbors to the south in Mexico and further south in Latin America, but tons and tons and tons and tons of young military-aged Chinese men, Arab men, Iranian men, guys coming in from Chechnya, Russia, Africa, you name it. And not to mention, you know, the, the whole cadre of Chinese men who are now suddenly among all those who are coming over the border. So Governor Abbott is saying, we are being invaded and there is imminent danger that does not admit of delay. Therefore, we're going to do this. Now, to complicate matters, other states in the union, not all of them and not most of them yet anyway, but other states are rising up and saying, we are standing with you, Texas, and we are not only going to morally support you and publicly declare, these are the Republican governors of these states, that we're with you. But now this morning, the reporting is that they're mobilizing, it seems, in some of these other states in order to, it appears as though, send their own National Guard, guards, guardsmen, guards people, guards persons, to Texas to go on the border and maybe helicopters and maybe other military equipment. So a a development that's sort of popped up in the last couple of hours. Now we're seeing, as of today, a chorus of Democratic lawmakers in Congress who are, as is being reported in, in one report here, they're publicly calling on President Biden to seize control of the Texas National Guard. So two quick examples that that showed up on Twitter. One is from Congressman Joaquin Castro. Governor Greg Abbott is using the Texas National Guard to obstruct and create chaos at the border. If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard. And then another congressman, Greg Casar, he says, I agree with Joaquin Castro If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard. Now you've got members of Congress who are openly calling for, in essence, the federalization of the rights and sovereignty to, to its limited extent of the state of Texas. This is a collision course that we're on right now. And where is this going to end? I don't claim to know. Uh, We know how it's gone before. Once this was done once before in the 19th century, we called it the Civil War. Half a million men were killed as a result of that. We definitely don't want to go down that road again. But this is happening in real time. Cyrus, you're, you're keeping track of the news reports and things on social media as well. And you're seeing this in real time. And it's just unthinkable. I've never even heard of anything like this before. No, this is a first in in my lifetime. Probably in anyone's lifetime, you know, after the Civil War. So, you know, if it weren't for the fact that you've got Ohio and Florida and Idaho and Georgia and other states of the Union, uh, the governor's publicly saying, we are siding with Texas. We're going to line up with Texas against the federal government. It has eerie overtones of when... the, the Confederate States of America, so-called, banded together after Abraham Lincoln was elected. So I'm not bringing this to your attention to be an alarmist or to, you know, to get people whipped into a frenzy. Far from it. I'd like to keep 
uh, calm heads as much as possible. But you have to understand, this is an unprecedented story that's unfolding right before our very eyes right now. So let's keep an eye on it. Let's go, let's see, let's go to Amy in Orange County, California. Hi, Amy. Good morning. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I just, I have had a, a lot of travel in the past six to nine months. And um, yesterday I traveled back from Salt Lake City, Utah to Orange okay. County, California, where I live. And I was with a friend of mine who has a home in, in Utah. Okay. They are using a um, kind of like an iPad technology at the TSA. I first saw this in the Oklahoma City Airport in August after dropping What was off it? My what did you see? Specifically, what did you see, so, Amy? When you approach the TSA, and I have pre-check, so I'm in a different line. Mm-hmm. I have the same. Um, you, uh, you hand them your driver's license. They put it through the little reader. And they ask you to stand in front of an iPad for facial recognition screening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in August in Oklahoma City, I said, what is that for? And they said, oh, it's just an extra step. And so I said, is it optional? And they said, oh, yes. And they point down to the sign below in very small print that says it's optional. And I said, well, no, thank you. I'd like to not do that. So my husband and I kind of looked at each other like, what's that all about? Mm -hmm. So... Fast forward November, we travel to Cincinnati, Ohio, head home to Orange County, and they have implemented it there. Um, Again, we said, no, thank you. Um, Reason being is I'm handing them my ID. I have TSA pre-check, which they've already taken a photo of me, Mm -hmm. and they have my passport on file. And you had to go in for a face-to-face interview when you applied for it, and they did yeah, a, a exactly. background check. So they know a lot about you already. I get it. Exactly. So yesterday morning in the Salt Lake City Airport, as my friend and I approach TSA, I turned to her and I said, have you seen this? And she goes, no, what is this? She just traveled a few weeks ago from Salt Lake City. She said, this is new. <laughs> so I told her about it, and I said... It's optional, and I kind of talk loudly, and I turn around to let other people know, <laughs> because people are just doing it. I mean, people are like, okay, you know. It won't be optional much longer, I, I predict, Amy. <clears throat> it's, it's kind of like, you may remember, when they introduced those capsules that you would have to stand in, put your feet on the two yellow f- footprints on the floor, hold your hands over your head, and then it scans your body. That used to be optional. And you could opt out. And if you did, there was a kind of punitive ritual that would take place. You know, you you would be shunted over to another area. And then there would be a serious pat down and probably go through your bags and things like that. Now it's not really optional anymore. Now, if you're in that line, you have to go through that. If you have pre-check, it's different for you. But if you have to go through that line, it's not optional. It it used to be that you didn't have to take your shoes off or your belt or things like that. Now you do. So what you're describing, I I have no difficulty imagining the rolling out of this new thing. I think it's going to be pro forma very soon. And we're just moving in that direction. We were deducing, yesterday we deduced, we think it's being implemented to move the migrants around. 
because they don't have any identification, we think um, that is the reason for it. There really has been no, it has not been on the news. It has not been written about or discussed. Um, It'll it'll be. In my experience, uh, in the last six, six to nine months. So I, when I've been doing all my travels, I've been looking for migrants in these airports. I personally haven't seen any, but I'm thinking this is a way for our government to sort of have some visual on who's coming in since they don't have any paperwork. Yeah, it, it is facial recognition, most likely. And it's part of the way things are trending right now. I, I understand exactly what you're referring to, Amy. I just don't think that your your alarm or your concern about this will really matter in the long run. It's going to happen. It's happening now. When you get in your car and you drive to the grocery store, let's say you're going down to Vons to get some groceries, you'll pass by countless um, uh, video cameras in every intersection you go through that are linked to things like facial recognition systems. I mean, this is already in place. You go into the store, you're on camera. Everything is already in place. And it's in a way, to me, it's kind of a wonder that it hasn't reached that level of invasiveness by now in the airports. So I can relate to what you're talking about, Amy. And I, I wish it weren't this way, but it is. Thanks for the call. 888-914-9149. have some notes I want to read quickly. Uh, This is from Jerry listening in San Francisco. He says, it's sad that the current president declared the border open right after being elected and saying that the border is not secure uh, and said he has not been given enough money to secure it. The U.S. has become a laughingstock nowadays from being an envy of the world just because, and and, um, Jerry is saying, just because of uh, President Biden. This problem has existed long before Biden got into office. Uh, He says, I'm an immigrant due to my education and skills, but I had to wait a while to get here. Yeah, I bet you did. I'm glad you're here, though. Uh, Teresa in Philadelphia says, you mentioned the way new immigrants to the U.S. were likely to vote in future elections. She's referring to my comment that they they tend to vote overwhelmingly Democrat. And And what I had said was that if the immigrants who come into this country routinely vote a Republican, my thesis is that the Democrats would be the ones who would build the wall a mile high and a mile deep, and they would make sure no immigrants could come in if they would come in and vote Republican. But anyway, Teresa says uh, last Monday uh, there was a, a there was a video uh, about this issue from Catholic Vote. YouTube felt it necessary to put quote unquote context from Wikipedia underneath the video, explaining that the Great Replacement Theory is a white nationalist far right conspiracy theory espoused by a French author. So you have big tech gaslighting U.S. citizens who question the end game of unchecked immigration, but also labeling them as far white nationalists. So frustrating. Well, one thing's interesting, Teresa, the, there are statistics that come out regularly from Pew Research and other research polling companies that, that show us that the demographic trends in this country are changing steadily and even rapidly lately. So that won't be a playing card for very much longer you know, because our country is becoming more and more ethnically diverse. And so, you know, whatever 
people imagine to be the quote-unquote white majority in the United States is rapidly disappearing to the point where in the not-too-distant future, that won't even be an argument that can be made because most people in the country will not fall into that category. So we'll see what happens then. But in any case, your point about gaslighting, I think, is an appropriate one. Sometimes I see on Twitter where they put community notes that try to skew people's interpretation of events because they want it to be more on the liberal side of things. Uh, Bob in, well, Bob listening on the Relevant Radio app says, thank you for your comments about border security and the potential dangers to us. Thanks, Bob. I'm not saying it to be alarmist at all, but because the story is unfolding right before our very eyes. And uh, as Jesus said, we have to watch and pray. And we also have to be, as he says, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So to me, that suggests the balance between prudence on the one hand and caution and safety, and at the same time, trying to balance that with being generous and magnanimous and welcoming the stranger. Uh, But not every stranger who comes knocking at the door has good intentions. Some people really do need help, and we, we should do everything we can to help them. But how do you figure out who that person is? compared to somebody else who, like the 9-11 hijackers, were living in this country for a couple of years in some cases, shopping in the grocery store right alongside you in the frozen food aisle and living in the apartment across the hall from you and walking the streets where you and your family would walk. They were there here in the United States doing that, and they were plotting the terror attacks that wound up killing 3,000 people. And that was just 11 guys from Saudi Arabia. What if, as it certainly appears to be the case, what if the tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of people, not from Latin America per se, but from China and from the Middle East, Iran, Syria, Russia? I mean, when you've got a vast number of military-age young men coming in and at least anecdotally don't appear to be like working at the local McDonald's, or, or sweeping floors or just some kind of entry-level menial job till they get on their feet and then they can get their Subway sandwich franchise or whatever it is they're going to do with their lives. You know, we don't really see them doing things. So the question naturally becomes, what are they doing? And why are they here? And how, how, why are we allowing this to happen? That to me is the biggest question of all. Why? Why do you allow this to happen? Why do you allow the border to be unchecked? Why do you allow this gaping hole to come into the country without any kind of vetting? Does that make any sense at all? It doesn't make any sense at all. 888-914-9149. How about Maggie in Oak Park, Illinois? Good morning, Maggie. Uh Good morning, Patrick. Um, I want to tell you that um, I have this right under my nose here. I have it four blocks away. There's, um, we have like 160 of them, and of in whom? one area of whom of the of the migrants. They they okay. call them migrants. They don't want to call them. When I called the village to say, "Am I reading this right?" When they voted on this, when I called the village of Oak Park, Illinois, I said, "Am I reading this right? Did we really? Are we really going to house these people this way?" Because they're staying in the fanciest hotel, the Carlton Hotel. The women and the children get to stay there. We couldn't afford a room there in the summer when I had out-of-town company. The, the well, rates are so high. 
I, fair enough. Okay, but I'd like to offer maybe a counterpoint, if I may. Okay. I I don't think it's in itself a problem if these immigrant folk, especially, I mean, if we're talking about women and children, I I don't personally have a problem if they stay in a nice hotel, if, if that's subsidized by the government, state, local, county, whatever. And if it's if it's a place where they can be safe, I don't have a problem with that personally. And if I couldn't afford that hotel, to me, that wouldn't be a reason why they couldn't be there to be safe. But it's not just hotels now, it's airports, it, like, you know, Chicago O'Hare. Have you been to O'Hare lately, Maggie? Have you been in the American Airlines uh-huh. baggage uh, floor? Yes. Yes, yeah, been, it, it has been turned into bad. a homeless camp. Yeah. yeah, as well as still our police stations here are still loaded with them. But um, what I want to tell you, though, is I, I understand it, but so far 47 in just our town have been arrested with crime and found with guns. And um, and that, so it's not, you know, and and um, they go into my granddaughter works in the deli and they want, they demand food, you know, and not want to pay. The Walgreens, a friend that works at Walgreens has been told not to confront them if they're stealing, just let them go, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it's not pretty. It's not, you know, we're not being unchristian like it's like, can they, you know, can they follow the laws? When they, many of them not only won't follow the laws, some of them, it seems, are here specifically for nefarious purposes. Maybe that doesn't describe most, and I hope it doesn't. But we have to be magnanimous. We have to be generous. I know you're a generous person, Maggie. We have to follow Jesus. We have to welcome the stranger. But we also have to be smart. Otherwise, people will die, like on 9-11. How do we figure this out? You tell me. This hour sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. This is The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and relevantradio.com. Get connected to the conversation. Call now, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid is on now. Wait for it. Okay, welcome back. Patrick in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Thank you for holding and welcome. Yeah, hi. How's it going? I wanted to uh, contribute to the conversation just by saying... I live in a small to medium size, you know, Wisconsin town, not a, not a huge town by any by any town. And I work at a liquor store and probably the biggest liquor store in the town. And I get a lot of customers who are, you know, young to mi- middle age, you know, like you were saying, military age, you know, okay. uh, people who are definitely, you know, look like they're immigrants. And when I when I ask for their um, identification cards, they always produce either a Mexican ID card, Honduras ID card, Guatemalan ID card, Colombia. So some of these people, they do have, you know, IDs, but not from the U.S. And I guess the other thing I wanted to mention is that these same people, 
you know, when I ask for their IDs, they always, and I mean always, pay. They always pay in cash, $100 bills usually. You know, when I get a look at their wallet, when they open up their wallet, their wallet is full of cash. So somebody, you know, is hiring these people, but I think they're doing so illegally under the table, and they're paying them in cash, obviously. Perhaps, uh, because yeah, perhaps. Are you, do you ever see any IDs from unusual places like Iran or Syria or Russia, or is it pretty much mainly from, I don't know, Latin America, or what are you seeing in that regard? Those, those I have not seen. I think most of, unless I'm not remembering, I think most of them that I've seen have been from either Mexico, Central America, South America. Okay. Um, I did get one from Africa, I believe, one time. Um, Would you let anybody just come into your store and uh, stay there overnight? I mean... Does your does your no. liquor store? I realize you don't own it, of course, but does it lock up at night, or do you just leave the doors open when you go home from work, and you just leave it open? Whoever can come in can come in. No, we lock it up tight. Have an alarm system. Huh. You know, I wonder why. Everything. I'm being tongue in cheek, obviously, because <laughs> no, I'm yeah, obviously, I know bad people can do but, bad things if you're not careful. Yeah. You know. Hundred percent, and we have had, you know, especially in the Milwaukee area, have had a lot of crimes um, perpetrated by, you know, immigrants, and you know, a lot of them are in gangs um, as well, drugs for sure. Um, a lot, a lot of them have been brought up on federal drug charges in Milwaukee, mm. especially. Mm. But well, if you're, if I don't know about Manitowoc, but if Manitowoc is like San Francisco, and some of these other. Uh, crazy places that declare themselves sanctuary cities, maybe, you know, the town fathers and mothers would say, well, you know, those laws don't go around here, law dog. You know, we don't, we don't follow those laws here. I'm pretty sure Manitowoc is not like that. San Francisco is. And they're leading the pack with many other places that are just deranged when it comes to the safety of their own citizens. Patrick, thank you. I appreciate that. Your comment, Patrick, actually, and thanks for the call reminded me of something I've been seeing on social media making the rounds. And it's interesting. It's a list of things that you have to show an ID for. You want to buy alcohol, cigarettes. You want to open a bank account, apply for food stamps, welfare, Medicaid, Social Security, unemployment. You want to rent a house, you got to show an ID. You want to buy a house, you got to show an ID. You want to rent a car, you have to show an ID. You want to buy a car, you have to show an ID. Want to get on a commercial airliner? You have to show an ID. Do you want to get married? You have to show an ID. Do you want to purchase a gun? Well, you know the answer to that. You have to show an ID. You want to adopt a pet? So let's say you go down to the local shelter to adopt a pet because you're a good person. You have to show an ID. You go to a hotel to spend the night and you're on a business trip, you have to show an ID. You can't just show up and they give you the key to the room. You have to show you are who you claim to be. Hunting license, fishing license. Uh, you want to uh, get a cell phone. You have to show your ID. You want to go to the local uh, RX and get your prescription filled. You have to show your ID before you can pick it up. You want to donate blood. Uh, you want to buy an M-rated video game. You have to show your ID. If you want to purchase nail polish at CVS, you have to show an ID. Why? I do not know. I presume maybe there's some 
use for something in nail polish that you can make drugs with. I don't know. Never even heard of that. You want to buy cold medicine? Certain ones, you have to show an ID. There's certain federal and state buildings you want to go into, you have to show an ID. So we are like super serious when it comes to things like that, like a fishing license. Man, oh man, we're all over that. You got to show an ID. We need to know who you are before you're going to get a fishing license, by golly. But what is going on with this insanity of our borders where the federal government is like, come on in. We don't need to know who you are. We don't need an ID. We don't need to know if you have, you know, some maybe contagious illness that we could, you know, help you be cured of. We don't know. We don't need to know. Come on in and just disperse and blend in. That's a recipe for disaster. I mean, can anyone honestly disagree with that? I mean, can you actually say with a straight face that that's not a terrible thing to do? Let's go to Alfred in Minnesota. Good morning, Alfred. Good morning, Patrick. I will try yes, to sir. make it very brief, and uh, thank you for okay. all you do. Sure. Yeah, my contribution would just be that uh, I, I do not subscribe to you know those who come to leave their country and come to some country and try to create problem like it was done on nine eleven. Mm-hmm. That is bad. If you leave your country to another country, of course, go there and do something legitimate, you yeah. know, that yes. put on your table. But I think the major problem is the root cause of all these things not being addressed. Which is what? By either this radio station, as we are talking now, by the government in general. And what I mean by that is uh, the root cause of it is the policies, the policies, you know, by the West in most of these countries that is creating poverty. That is the root cause of the problem. So let me see if I can piece it together, Alfred. It sounds to me like you have come here from somewhere else in the world. I could take yes, a guess. Yes, but I came from Nigeria. I wondered. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm from Nigeria. And so you've gone through this personally. You've gone through the system, and now you're here. Yes. Welcome. Glad yes. to have you. Yes. Um, yes. So when you come, when you came here to the U.S., and I don't know if you traveled in Europe, so let's say Sweden or Germany or Denmark or France, where the the liberalized laws there are even worse than they are here. Um, when you came here, what was your reaction to the system that's set up to assimilate foreigners like yourself who have come in from another country looking for a better life? What what did you experience? It, it wasn't bad because I came here legitimately, so I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem as such. Uh, it was not easy settling down, but we eventually made it true, and we are here. But yep. just like you were talking about Europe, and that's one of the examples I wanted to give you. Um, recently, there was a coup in Niger Republic, and the poverty there is so high. Just like Nigeria, they are just to the north of Nigeria. Okay. And the whole West was up in arms. These people must return to the democratic whatever. Yes, I like democracy. That is true. Military government, which the West have aided to take over and take over and take over and continue to take over in Africa, has destroyed Africa because they continue to deliberately assist corrupt people to take over government. But however, 
the military government that took over in MEJ, I don't know whether they are corrupt or not, but they said, look, you are taking our uranium, the French. The, the French. You- but if I, may, if I may redirect the conversation, Alfred, that being the case, and you know all about that, I don't, is there okay. some transfer of the point you're making about what's happening in, in Nigeria, some transfer to here in the United States? Is that what yeah, you're pointing what out? Yes, what I'm pointing out is when the West, the West creates these policies, which is foreign policies for their yeah. own interest, for commerce, for, yeah. to make gains from the resources they get from these countries, and they deliberately install or assist people that they know are corrupt mm-hmm. to take over government, either by democracy or by military, state, whatever, what you the 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 thing what it creates is poverty and when people are yeah. poor they become desperate they're just looking for where to survive i have seen many people try, just try to cross the sahara desert cross the mediterranean and majority of them die there mm. nobody wants to leave his home country i am here i'm happy here but i tell you i miss my country i bet hey so in in nigeria i've never been there would just unchecked um, influxes of people coming into Nigeria from all over the world, uh, would that be permitted in Nigeria where they could just come in and get free stuff, free housing, free whatever? Um, would the Nigerian government enforce its borders to at least know who's coming in? I mean, if they were noticing lots of Chinese and people from all over the place coming in, how, how do you think the Nigerian government would react if a similar situ- situation were unfolding I- there? We have experienced it in Nigeria before. We, we accommodated it for a long time because when, the, when West Africa became terribly bad, Nigeria was almost like invaded by mm-hmm. the surrounding countries because Nigeria was good then, but gradually Nigeria became bad, so everybody started running out. Mm. And what I'm saying is the root cause is the bad policies that the West is helping to create in all these countries because of commerce. That is what is creating poverty. And once there is serious poverty, people become desperate and they want to move. Where else will they move to? They either move to Europe or they come try to come to America because, well, at least it's relatively safe here. But what I'm trying to say is if the West can just change their policy, try as much as possible, even if you want to make all the gains you want to make, do not install bad government, bad people in government. Look, that's why I was giving you an example of uh, Niger. Now, the, it was discovered that France was selling this uranium at a very high price in the world market and just giving some peanuts, you know, less than $2 to mm-hmm. the Niger Republic to run their government. And look at Cameroon, for instance. The man who is the president of the Cameroon is as good as dead. That the French people will want him there because... With him there, they pillage the country as they want. And that is not good. And it creates mm-hmm. poverty. And people in Cameroon become desperate. They want to move. They talk because people just want to have peace. They just want to have some security of life and property. And once this is not there, the, the tendency to move is always there. That's a good point. All good points. I wish we had more time, though, Alfred. Thank you. Welcome to America, sir. I hope you have a happy and productive life here. Good to have you here. I'll be right back. Not without a star.
Today, we'd like to thank Vincent, who's listening in California, for donating his 1971 Chevy El Camino. Right on. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. Get connected to the conversation. Call now, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid is on now. Relevant Radio. I know this song. Oh, yeah. I remember this song. I was hoping you'd sing it. Mr. James Brown, reporting for duty. I have a note here from Michelle, she's, and she's listening on the Relevant Radio app. She says, uh, I live in Uvalde, Texas, so our community has been inundated with terrible situations regarding immigration, that being among them. I, however, am torn between being a good Christian Catholic and the need for keeping my family safe and living in a safe community regarding immigration. So I tend to flounder back and forth between where I land on this issue. My heart tells me to welcome those in need into our country with an open heart because I feel our Catholic faith tells me that's what God would want me to do. I feel, she says, Jesus says, that which you do to the least of my people etc. And also, um, she says, what would have happened if Mother Mary and Joseph would not have been able to flee? She's referring to where Herod was going to kill baby Jesus, so they fled into Egypt. She says, then I go back to wanting to feel safe, because we do feel like we are being invaded, and we don't know how many are actually in need of fleeing their countries for their safety and the safety of their families, and wanting someone, anyone, to put a stop to this chaos and invasion. I pray there is a way to fix the problem leading with a Christian heart. I honestly don't know where I fall on this topic. P.S. I love your show and listen daily at work. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Stay safe in Uvalde, Texas. I hear this a lot from people, especially in border communities, where it's just out of control. I mean, I saw it. I didn't see it firsthand. I wasn't like there with binoculars or anything. But you you can't be unaware of it in if you live in San Diego, where we used to live. And that was 27 years ago. A lot has changed since then, and not in good ways. So I feel a lot of empathy for you, Michelle, and your family and the other people in your community and all the other people and all the other communities all along the border who are personally at risk of injury or death because the borders are wide open and the government is not doing its bounden duty to regulate this in such a way that we can be generous and magnanimous as we should be. And I'm with you. This is what Jesus said. We should do this. We should seek however we can to welcome the stranger. A, a okay with that. But we have to, like you're pointing out, we have to be sensible. We have to be prudent. We have to be just. You know, these people who are advocating for the borders to be open the way they are, I don't see them opening their homes to just let anybody come in and live in their spare bedroom, whoever wants to come in. They don't do that. They don't do that with their homes. But they want the country to do that and putting people at risk. It's just not right. And it's turning into a struggle now. It's shaping up to be a struggle between, at least for the moment anyway, Governor Abbott of Texas is facing off with the federal government with El Presidente, 
who doesn't want Texas to defend its border and is sending federal uh, personnel to stop the governor from defending the border of the great state of Texas is going to blow up into something. And I don't want that. And you don't want that. Other states, governors of other states now are publicly saying we're siding with Texas. So we're sending, I mean, it's getting to the point now where it appears as though they're going to be sending some of their own National Guard presence to Texas to patrol the border. Well, what happens then? What happens then when the federal government, somebody's going to blink, somebody's going to back down, or there will be, and it's ludicrous to even imagine this, but there would be possibly armed conflict. How could that be? Isn't this 2024? Don't we live in the United States? Didn't we have a civil war? A long time ago when something really terrible happened over the issue of slavery and by extension into, slave, into state, states' rights? It's eerie if you ask me, because we're seeing this unfolding hour by hour in real time. And I hope it comes to nothing. And maybe this time next week, we'll all laugh. It's, yeah, I remember when we were worked up about that whole border thing and that just fizzled out. Ha ha, wasn't that nothing? Well, I hope it turns out that way. But what if it doesn't? And for you who want to be a devout follower of Jesus and you want to be virtuous and you want to be generous and welcoming, as Jesus said we should be, seems like the question is, how do you do that and at the same time protect your family, protect yourself, protect your community from those elements who are indeed coming into this country in droves who mean harm to us? And I, I can rest my case with the 9-11 hijackers. They lived among us for, in some cases, years. Shopping at the grocery stores, getting their driver's license renewed at the DMV, getting flying lessons. All the while, they were here planning to murder Americans. So I wish it weren't that way, but it is that way. And we've seen it before. So I'll just leave it at this. The question that's ringing in my mind is why? Why does the federal government seem to want this to happen? I don't know. I'm almost afraid to know why some people in the government don't want to enforce the borders. Let's go to Mercy in San, Sanford or Safford, Arizona. Good morning, Mercy. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I just wanted to weigh in on the issue with the border. Uh, specifically, I kind of wanted to build off of what a previous caller, Mary, was saying about how she couldn't fully understand because she's not in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. But I, as a young mother of four children now, um, it's it's more than concerning. Um, bless be God, I was pushed uh, into eastern Arizona mm -hmm. um, from living in the valley. I was originally planning a couple of years ago to move to Washington State, which, thank God, I, I wasn't. But... Um, the issues that we're facing with the border, especially I want to say in specific, I haven't heard this yet. I did join the podcast a little late today, but uh, human trafficking, specifically child trafficking, we're seeing an alarming number, increased number of cases of children going missing. Mm -hmm. And I can unequivocally say that that's attributed directly to our issue with the border. Um the smaller town that I live in, in eastern Arizona, Safford, um, it is facing higher problems with drug use. Um, 
that are unprecedented in previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, the valley is an absolute nightmare. I mean, you mean where you live now? Where where I live now, it we're mm-hmm. seeing higher volumes of people on people crime, which even just five or so years ago, there wasn't anything like it before. You know, this mm-hmm. is a more conservative town. Everybody, You're, I'm looking at Stafford on the map. Forgive my interruption. You are. I, I realize that the border of the state sort of takes mm-hmm. a turn when you get down below Tucson, but it looks yes. as though you're about as far north, you know, give or take from the Mexican border as Phoenix is, even yeah. though you're below Phoenix, but you're, you're not on the border, but yet you're still seeing this yeah. kind of, how did you call yes. it? How did you describe it? People on people crime? How, what does that mean exactly? What do you, what are you referring to when you so, say that? When we say people on people crime, we mean uh, violent crimes from one person to another. So um, robberies, muggings, things like that. Yes, that that sort of thing, which, you know, like I said, even a couple of years ago was much less than it is now. And um, even our own uh, governors are actively trying to, to fight against the Biden administration and their call to leave the border open, mm-hmm. um, but to, to no avail. And, and we're not seeing it to the same extent of um, conviction as the uh, Texan government is. Um, but we're definitely moving towards that direction. And even the people, the individual communities are... So let me ask really you a question, Mercy. Do you feel fear or are you just concerned or... From your own personal standpoint, what's your personal I, reaction to what you see? I would say I feel increased restlessness. Um, not no, I mean on on your own part. I don't mean other people, unless you're talking about your own restlessness. No, myself. I would say yeah, myself, okay. I feel increased restlessness, um, especially as a mother of very, very young children. Um, when I when I lived in the Valley just a couple of years ago, you know, even then my husband and I firsthand experienced more crime, increased crime, violent crime against us um, as the issue with the border continued to um, escalate. Do you think people should fear fear should be fearful of that or should they just brush it off and say, ah, that's just crime. That's yeah, it's not going to affect me. Or is no, there a place for people, people to should... be fearful of that? Um, I wouldn't exactly say fear because fear is not of the the lord that is you know it is important for us to be aware and conscious and prepared right um i think that's very very important and praying for discernment is i think what has helped me personally not be fearful because before i was i was very Mm -hmm. very fearful especially with little little children seven and under i mean vulnerable kids what do you say to the people who accuse you of being fearful or fear-based or you're fear-mongering because you have concerns about this? How would you respond to that person? Um, I would personally say that um, it that could possibly be attributed uh, because they haven't experienced what I have experienced, mm-hmm. but it's not my intention to fear-monger but to bring awareness. It's important to be aware the reality of what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing that I would also say is it's not just going to end here with the border states. It's, you know, there's veins of of travel that these immigrants are going to. It's going to affect the entire state, even the states 
further north that are not directly experiencing the issues that we are right now. It will eventually mm-hmm. make its way there. And that's where I have increased concern because a lot of the people there, it's you kind of sometimes meet people with the attitude of, oh, well, it, it's, it's over there. It's contained over there. We can just do what we can to help to make sure that it you know goes away eventually. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's, that's not going to help in the way that people hope it would. And I, I very much worry for, for people who aren't prepared for that because it's different when you live in a state for a long time where this has been an issue. This has always kind of been an issue, the border, but it's mm-hmm. become a um, uncontrolled issue now, I would say, especially in the past, I'd say, even just six months. Um, I mean, we've seen incidences and stories, especially with the drugs that are being carted over here, children as young as 10 years old experiencing overdoses from fentanyl. It's a massive issue, and it's heartbreaking. And so to just kind of build on what you're saying, Mercy, it's a balancing act. And I like the way you put it. It's not fear, it's concern. And sometimes the concern can rise to a very extreme level. But it's not for the fear for the sake of fear or fear-mongering or any of those things. I'm with you on that issue. There's nothing fear-mongering about trying to take stock of a difficult situation and figure out how do we resolve this? How do we apply Christian moral principles? How do we apply Christian virtue like generosity and magnanimity, largeness of heart and such, and at the same time protect families, protect the innocent children like yours and you? And Mm -hmm. your community, there's nothing fearful or wrong about seeing a situation and saying, how do we fix this? Would you agree with me? I have a feeling you will, but what do you think on that point? I do, definitely. And I definitely say for for people who are unsure about where they stand with the issues, the biggest thing is to pray for discernment. That's, That's the biggest thing is it's important for us to discern not only in everyday situations, but also issues that you may not be directly faced with as of yet, but could soon will be, Mm -hmm. um, about what would be the, the Christian thing to do, but also to not, um, to not be naive about it, I should think. Yeah. I keep coming back to what Jesus said about being wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And to welcome the stranger and to, you know, be hospitable to immigrants. We, we were called to do that and we should do that. And, mm-hmm. and we are trying to, do, we're trying to do that. But when you have certain policies in place that, that put other people at severe risk, you have a problem. And trying to oh, sort yeah. it out is very difficult. Well, Mercy, great chatting with you. And I'm glad you called. I hope you'll call again. My apologies to everyone holding. Let's do it again tomorrow. Same Pat time, same Pat channel. And until then, I'll pray for you. Please pray for me. Hope and encouragement. Hope and encouragement. Hope and encouragement. God bless Texas.